0: So once again, you are recording a podcast with like thirty or forty people in your house, right? Uh
1: hold on, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 15, 15,
0: 15. <laughs> about five people. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of extra a counting trickier.
1: there. I tricked you there. Yeah. No, there's about five people. The guys from from uh, England are here. Remember where we made the nail over at Maker Central? Yeah. Yep. Joe and uh, Alex and Steve are here from Alex Paul Ironworks and they make kitchen utensils and axes over in England. And so a year ago when Steve was here assisting us in the, uh, the Rory May blacksmith class, he suggested we do this. And now here it is exactly one year later from the idea. And we just finished up and it went Fantastic. And I kind of jumped in late only because I'm when I'm here, I manage everything. I'm, you know, I'm helping Taylor with food and I'm helping get drinks and stuff. You know, it's, it is my place. And I'm also just running around trying to clean up behind everybody. Brett does a great job doing that as well. And so I jumped in late on the process of all the classes we've done. This one has been very regimented. <clears throat> it's different. And I like it because certain things happen at certain times. Like Alex will show a, uh, take it to here. And he explains why and how and the heat and everything. And then everybody goes to their own anvil, takes the process to there. And then we all regroup. And so we did that in about four or five stages. And it was amazing. And I got to really watch all of that, jumping in and out. And then at the end of the first day, I jumped in and started making my own hatchet head on my own with, of course, his guidance, but not in coordination with the class. And it was a lot of fun. I tell you what, it was, it was, it was great. It was great to be in that sort of regimented style. So, we've done both. It's completely freeform, and, and and they and they're both good for their own reasons. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but it was refreshing to do it in a regimented style. So it was good. It was fun.
0: I went, does that. Uh, I guess it affects like the people in the class differently, but I guess there's no way to decide how to make a class based on the people that are coming, either. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch of variables there that make everyone different, I assume.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was funny. My friend Will, who collects axes from all of the prominent blacksmiths on YouTube and Instagram, he, he, he has a big collection of all of that work. He, this is the first time he made an axe, and he goes, wow, he goes, I totally, I totally can understand and appreciate the process now and he he's not a cheap guy and he didn't care about paying the price because I probably would be happily pay more <laughs> to all those guys that I buy fancy tools from considering what it takes to get to where you got to go and you know of course you do it a hundred times you get better and faster at it but yeah there was uh, you know there wasn't there wasn't any catastrophic failures but there were failures in certain little techniques but the way Alex put it he said, I'm basically handing you guys the keys to a car that you've never driven and asking you to go on the highway. So this is a very <laughs> intensive it's an intensive learning process that some of you are gonna have some problems with. He goes, but we're here to guide you through it. And and everybody had a an axe that would chop wood, but you know, it was really more in the in the details of of certain physical details on the axes. Sometimes a the metal was too thin, or it wasn't exactly the shape, or you, you push too much metal in one direction, it's too late to push it back. So that kind of stuff. But that all just comes with, that's just technique that's learned over time. But the basic concept, everybody got it down. It was great. It was great. And, and if either of you guys are interested in blacksmithing, you should consider, I'm not even joking, going to England and taking his class and working with him and his crew, because they're in the community and, and they understand what we're up to. And, and, it's just, and he's just a great, great teacher. So... Yeah.
0: Do you have? Um, I, I would like to take his class. Do you have a plan for the next round of classes yet, or is that like you? No, about that we
1: we year? haven't sat down and nailed it down, but it's something we're going to do. Me and Taylor are talking about it. We definitely okay, so
0: know. I'm I'm out loud committing right now <laughs> right. to come to one of the next round of classes. So hold and me to that, because I will. And and the reason I'm saying hold me to that is because I've realized over the past few weeks that I need to. Go do more, not not hanging out with maker people. Go learning, learning from other makers. Yeah, I need to do more of that. And I've been talking about coming up to your place for like five years now. Yeah. So I need no, to it's that been happen. great. So. I
1: mean, I, I I'm obviously uh, right in the eye of the storm, but being able to work with Alex and Steve and, and Joe, and then a couple of weeks ago work with Cliff and then Chris from Mount Phillips, and it, it's it's been an amazing learning experience. I mean, obviously, it's fun and enjoyable for me. I get to meet people. I get to make a couple of bucks. But also having that first-hand, on-hands experience is, is is like something I would never go and do if I didn't invite people, 15 people a weekend, to do it in my backyard. So it's it's been a great experience. And I have all the tools. I have to fully take advantage of it. I was joking. I was like, I'm not a blacksmith, but I like to play one on YouTube. <laughs> That's what I tell these guys. Because <clears throat> I have all these tools. I said I'm not a blacksmith, but I like the lifestyle. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I got to grow into that position. Yeah, it's a, it was a great, great, great weekend. Another great weekend, but this is the last one. Now I won't be doing any of this again until April, probably April and May.
0: Okay, well, yeah. keep me posted on the schedule as you guys are building it out, because we'll do. I definitely want to come to one next year. We'll do. Cool, David. What have you been up to this weekend or week?
2: Uh, this week we are filming a video on just all about wood, buying wood, where your wood comes from, how to calculate board feet, linear feet, all that, just some, some basics. And so that video comes out today when you're listening to that, which is part of this massive um, awareness about planting trees and, and, and climate stuff. So that video will... I, I believe you're familiar with this, right, Bob? Yeah,
0: yeah you're, I you're, didn't think about that. That this this episode comes out on the day that we can finally talk about that. Yes, yes. Oh, cool. All right, go
2: ahead. So, um, I, I, you'll your your YouTube is probably flooded with the stuff with, that'll explain it way better than than I can. So, I'll just leave it at that. So, we're we're working on that video this week. We're also starting making ring wedding ring videos. Uh, a video because every year Kelly and I retire our rings and we make new ones. And our anniversary was four days ago, and I haven't made the new rings yet. But this seems to be the pattern. Happy anniversary! Thank you. Yeah. So the pattern is have the anniversary and then make the rings every year. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I I I think I finally have a cool idea that that in theory will work. So uh, we'll we'll start that, and then. Man, we had another practice round of go kart racing, and that was super crazy fun. I learned more things about setup and and uh, just how to handle the kart a little bit. And my first race is in two weeks, and I can't wait. And it's unfortunate that the season is at an end when I just get started, but I'll be ready. I'll be ready for next year. That's
0: awesome. I was getting ready to ask, like, how long with the weather there how long do you think you'll be able to practice and all that stuff before it yeah. gets-
2: so they have organized like open practices and they only do like a couple every year and in the area that I live in the biggest dirt oval race is happening on November 3rd um, last year I went to it and I filmed part of it because I made I made the trophy for the winner and there were 54 carts that entered and just like a, a couple hundred people watching, maybe more than that. And so they're expecting it to be even bigger this year, which turns out to be a problem because it's hard to, if you have more than 60 carts, you have to kind of rearrange how the things work and heat races and, and b mains to get into the future. Cause you really, it's a really small track and you, for safety reasons, you really can't have more than 15 carts on the track at a, at a time. So when you get 60 carts and only 15 people make the feature, it's, it's uh it, it, it's kind of a long process. So you're like fully, fully in this now. I am, I am or just an idea I'm, like two months ago. It's I crazy. know, <laughs> I am fully into it. I have um, my family. They build and repair race cars for a living, and they built my my engine, which it's it's all based off of a Predator Two twelve Harbor Freight engine, which you can get for one hundred dollars at Harbor Freight. But then you you are you put on a different carburetor, you're changing out the flywheel and the cams and you're doing all this different stuff and then it turns into a $500, $700 engine after all that. And it went from sounding like a lawnmower to sounding like a race car. Like the sound is just completely different. And it's huh. and it's um it's super powerful. It's way more power than I can handle right now because i'm still getting used to to the handling so like i i go full throttle and i'm like ah, i'm out of i'm out of control and i start to spin out or whatever so i'm still i'm still learning the handling and i'm like crazy sore just from just from practice yesterday so i'm yeah i'm fully fully into it and then in the off season, i hope to make a new chassis
0: hmm so with the handling are there handling adjustments or like yep. things that people add to their
2: carts to to ease that yes. physically so there's no suspension on a go-kart so your suspension is actually the flex within the chassis itself which there is a little bit and it's how they're built and then also your tire pressure so you if you lower the tire pressure you're going to have that's going to be part of your suspension. But then the different tire pressures also have to do with your traction. And then track conditions change throughout the day because they they water the track, they let the water soak in. And so you might have a little bit more traction at the beginning of the day, but by the end of the day, it's much drier. The, the dirt is super hard and it sounds, it's almost like running on concrete at that point. And so and then there's different things you do. You can change your tire size you can change the offset of where your tires are placed within the cart and um there's there's a few more other things um you you can change gear so it's a direct drive so it goes motor clutch and then that there's a chain and sprocket right on the axle and you can actually change your gear ratio by changing the number of teeth on your sprocket and so um i'm gonna going to a higher gear more teeth you're going to have faster acceleration but lower top speed and then if you go the opposite way you'll have slower acceleration but higher top speed and so there's all these different things this tiny little go-kart has so many different setup things and so much to learn about it
0: yeah it's funny because there's been a few things lately that i've been interested in or looking into and i guess i I've been I've been spoiled over the in the past about like here's an interesting thing there's just a little bit I can learn and go do that thing yeah. but a lot of the stuff that I've been thinking about lately and that's a good example is like you have to kind of fully commit to learning <laughs> a deep enough knowledge about something to be able to try it like it's hard to have a casual yeah Go kart racer. <laughs> you know, you, it's like being a casual beekeeper. Well, that doesn't really work because the bees are gonna die. Or the bees are gonna leave you or whatever. You know, there's a bunch of deep knowledge. And like blacksmithing is the same kind of thing.
1: I was just gonna say the three of us got into these three different things. We kind of talked a little before the, the the show started, but I didn't realize how explicitly the three of us are into three completely new different things. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. And it and it goes back to what I was saying as a potential topic that People think we know everything or, you know, whatever, but we obviously don't. And I mean, there's people that are punching the computer right now going, I knew it. I knew you didn't know everything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would think that would be obvious,
1: but... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, people always like, some of the comments I get is like, oh, Mr. Know-It-All, Mr. Thinks He Knows How to Do Everything. And I don't know how to do everything. And people make that assumption. I never make those claims, but people somehow think I've said that. But... The learning is just—it—it it, it never ends. It really never ends, and you got to have a passion to want to learn. And—and and it's just—it's so rewarding when you discover something new, like race car driving or beekeeping, and you don't get stung to death or blacksmithing, and you actually finish something. Which for the last year I've been starting and not finishing a lot of things, but it's—it's uh, it's really really rewarding. And you know that's a big it, part of you know what our
2: business is. It's a. Uh- you learn, the fastest way to learn is to teach something. If you're in school and you go to chemistry class, your teacher, your instructor, they might not be an expert chemist, but they can take what's in this textbook and what they're an expert at is is giving that information to you and trying to get that stuck in your brain. And so you're just following somebody else's instruction and your skill is is the teacher and how to transfer that knowledge to your students. And yeah. I, so I've uh, recently I did a video where I was cutting glass and I mentioned like in a future video we're going to do some stained glass stuff and then I got, there was this comment and I'm they're probably being nice and just letting me know but they were like please don't do a stained glass video because you have no idea what you're doing I'm like that's exactly why I'm going to do a stained glass video so I can learn and share that with you and all my goal is just to give you that tiny little bit of inspiration or that little nugget for you to take off with it and maybe add something to your woodworking or whatever you do you know
0: yeah i mean if i had had that comment on one of my videos i would have been like they've obviously never seen one of my videos before (laughs) because i I think it's really obvious that i have no clue what i'm doing most of the time but the point yeah I'm, i'm with you 100 dave the the whole point of me doing something is to learn how to do it myself and just to give somebody a glimpse into, like, here's a thing you might want to give a shot to one of these days. You may be interested in this. Maybe not, but, like, it's not here's the absolute information that you have to know to be able to do X. It's like, look, I screwed up a couple of times. Isn't that interesting? Maybe you should try it Right in the thing that you do, you know? But I, I don't know. I guess people um, naturally still associate – uh published media, whether it's a book or whether it's you know TV and then YouTube being a derivative of that kind of production, people still associate produced content with um, authority. right. So people still see if there's a book written about something, the person had enough authority to be able to write that book to get it published and to get it out there. And the fact of the matter is like you can write a book about absolute garbage and get it published. It doesn't matter that like that's the one downside of the you know there they're not being any gatekeepers to media anymore. everybody can get everything published in every medium. That's really good most of the time. It's bad in some situations, but people still expect published media to have authority behind it. and I think a lot of what we do and a lot of what people in our space do is just learn they learn in front of a camera. that's what I do, you know mm. and I, I think there's just a little small disconnect there sometimes between the viewer and the producer and you know I do know what the expectation is we've talked about that a billion times but
2: we do try hard hopefully. not to give misinformation I mean we're we are doing yeah, the course. research yeah. we're, and we're yeah. we want to put people on the right path and once in a while something happens where maybe I don't know everything and i do give the wrong information or i the technique that i'm using is not the best in that situation and that's where the comments come in there are actually some good good comments out there of people saying there's possibly a better way or you might want to look it into this i i really really wish the comments were a better place for people to go down and learn and learn more but it doesn't it doesn't really happen that way
1: well honestly yeah. I recently, well, the other day, Lou, the guys in Louisville first, Bill, put out, they made a video of me walking through the the big band, so that was at Maker Faire there, and I spouted off a couple of facts, and I remember not feeling super confident when I said them, but then when I was watching them, I was like, I was, I was like for a minute, I was like, oh, all right, you know what, so I just put in the description, please correct any of my inconsistencies or anything that I might say that's inaccurate, and I got some real positive comments, you know, so I asked for it, I was like, you know, I, I don't know everything, but please just feel free to correct me in the comment section and there's some good there's some good knowledge in there and I appreciate people but if you know I think it's what provokes negative comments is a lot of the time is when you come off like a little cocky and like a know-it-all kind of thing which I guess I do too sometimes we all do and uh but people sometimes don't see the subtlety in that you know what I mean it's very subtle when i'm like hey look hey, I'm going to do this, and I'm, they might click in the video in the middle, and all of a sudden they missed me making the introduction, going, hey, I don't know everything, but I'm going to do the best I can. And now I'm doing the best I can, and I don't have to keep reminding you, but they missed the beginning of that part of the video, and then they're like, "This guy's a to know it all. Or they don't go to the very end where a lot of us all say, that was a great experience, my first time, next time I'm going to do better. You mm-hmm. know, Some people yeah. might shut the video off before that end, and then all of a sudden they're like, this guy thinks he knows everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of times, like we will do things, I speak for myself. A lot of times, I will need a solve for a specific task within a project. And with not having any background information about how to do that or the best, you know, tradespeople all over the world have been doing X for a long time and they figured out the best way to do it is this. Well, I don't have that experience and I don't know those people. So I just come up with whatever I can come up with at the time with what's on hand to solve that problem. And then I, I do it not from a place of, like, this is the right way. It's just like, well, I don't know. This kind of worked. So I'll try this. But I think there's that disconnect, again, between someone assuming that because I'm doing something that there's authority behind it and that I'm telling them or showing them this is the way to do it. So a lot of the pushback that we get in comments is just that misunderstanding there of me doing something because I don't know any better and I'm just trying to solve a little piece of a larger thing. And someone with some real world experience on that thing being like, well, no, like people in my world have been doing this forever and you're, you know, there's just a better way. Totally awesome. I love to get that information from them, but I think part of the medium, just like you're saying, David, the comments don't allow us to have that conversation of like midway through, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to try this because by the time they see our product, it's complete. It's out. The video is finished, and we can't update it. And we can't, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like a, a conversation that happens during making the thing. Typically, at least on YouTube, it's it's like, here's the result of all my experimentation for the last week, or
2: yeah, whatever.
0: And so the comments aren't really kind of part of it, though.
2: The comments aren't really designed to be a full on forum and conversation That's be- because true. now you the replies are hidden and you have to go and you have to actually see, you have to click on something to see the replies on, on the desktop. So it's, it's more of a, just a, it's meant to be a, a reaction to the video and, and not a continuing conversation.
0: That's interesting that you say that. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that is a, a smart, fair way to look at the comments from the creator's point of view, because I think I've been looking at them as this is the place that I can can respond to questions, I can answer questions, but maybe it's not always about that. And because I think it, those things that are legitimate are mixed in with some of the nasty stuff and some of the just like, hey, you're really cool, whatever, I like what you do. That's all great, and it's all mixed in there together. But that's a good way to look at it. That that's a reaction space and. Maybe I shouldn't go looking there for how i can how I can help more or how I can do whatever um so this past week, what have I been doing um the video I think I talked about the the picnic table that we built that did, did tell you guys about that yeah, so that that's coming out on Thursday. just a pretty standard picnic table, but we the center of the, the table we pushed down and then built into grill surfaces. Into that table, um, and I don't remember if I mentioned this last time we talked about it or not. But one of the things that about that particular piece of that project was we used fire bricks down inset in the table to contain the heat. And when I did the forge video, I used fire bricks because I knew I needed fire bricks, and that's what I searched for, and that's what I bought, and that's what I put in the thing. And then the comments were super helpful there on that video because it. They taught me that there are hard fire bricks and soft fire bricks. Hard ones absorb the heat, so they're good for a pizza oven. Things that you need to retain a lot of heat and keep even. You know, it takes a long time to heat up, but then it's even around it, whatever. There's also soft fire bricks, which are literally soft. Like you can chip them with your fingernail and break them by hand and stuff like that. Um, Those reflect heat. So in the case of a forge or in a small grill with an open top, the soft fire bricks are better because they push all the heat where you want it to be, uh, rather than absorbing it and pulling it away from where you want the heat. So uh, that was an interesting thing. In that video, we were already in production of it, and I had already ordered the old bricks and all that stuff before I got that information from the forge comments. And so in that video, I had to, and I've done this a couple times recently. I got to put in a little interjection from the future and be like, "Hey, this thing I'm doing right here, but there's a better way that I learned." From the comments, so that was really cool because it was just enough time for me to be able to take some of the knowledge that I got from comments, stick it in to update something before it was complete. You know, so that was a good example of that system working in the way that it's supposed to work. Um, But anyway, that table uh, turned out really nice, and I really wanted to make it out of cedar because I just you know pressure treated lumber has like a look, and it, it just is what it is. And so I was really hoping I could build it out of cedar because I like the way cedar looks. It would last outside for a pretty long time. It was going to be, oh gosh, I think it was like five million dollars or something to make it out of cedar for a picnic table and two benches. And then to get it out of pressure-treated lumber, it was, uh, I don't know, 100 or something with all the gas parts and everything. So it, it, that was a little disappointing because it, even though it turned out fine, it's going to last probably twice as long. <laughs> But it doesn't look like I wanted it to look. And it's a thing that's out at the farm, you know, outside exposed. And it would have been cool if it was cedar. But anyway, it's out there at the farm. And I want to, you started talking about the team trees thing, uh, David. And I want to make sure we talk about it a little bit because if, in case somehow people don't see it on YouTube, it's good. I don't know. Everywhere.
1: I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is okay. at all.
0: Explain. So you have from today, you have a week to make a video about it if you want in on it. But basically, Mr. Beast is a YouTuber uh, who hit 20 million subscribers, and he asked people what he should do to celebrate 20 million, and then a bunch of people said, plant 20 million trees. And so he and Mark Rober started talking about how to actually do that. Fast forward, on Friday the 25th, Them, The two of them and like 500 plus other creators are all putting out videos at the same time on the same day about Team Trees. They're working with the Arbor Day Foundation so that every dollar donated is a tree planted. So basically, we're trying to raise $20 million before the end of the year. So we have two months-ish to plant 20 million trees by January 1st, 2020. So Wow. Everybody uh, who's involved is just trying to make a video about it and spreading it on social media. Nobody gets anything from it. It's not like that. It's just, it's trying to be the biggest collaboration in history.
1: Now, how, how did I totally good. miss this? Nobody, I didn't hear anything or see anything, but maybe I've been too busy. How did you guys find out about it?
0: Um, Mark reached out to me. Um, I think it's just been kind of like a, the two of them gave the information to a lot of people that they knew and then asked those people to give it to other people and it's intentionally Mm -hmm. spreading from creator to creator while trying to be kind of quiet so that it's not out there and then Mm -hmm. it's all going to happen at one time so I think some people missed it just because you know it's like getting past but but in secret Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway so that's what's happening I'll send you the information today in case you want to make a video about it Mm because really any video or any push is just going to help I mean every tree we get planted is getting us closer to that. So we made a video kind of walking through the farm. Because people on the main channel, on my main channel, have not really seen the farm because we've done stuff on the second channel about it. So we kind of did a little walking through it, showing people what it was, what the plan was, and then talked about Team Trees and trying to get people involved. Um, So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen anything about that, it's all over YouTube today, or now, whenever you're listening to this in the future. but help out. I'm, I'm calling people to, like, give a dollar. Give a dollar for each person in your family or, like, just don't get a coffee this month or this week and take that four bucks and buy four trees. Because I think we can make it happen. Uh, $20 million is a lot of dollars, but I think we can do it. So, yeah. That's it.
1: About two years ago, I went out and I bought uh, 50 Norwegian... I forget what I'm, I'm going to not remember. Norwegian pines. I forget uh, pine trees. And I planted 50 pine trees in my backyard. Mm. And of all of those 50, the guy told me a lot of them will die just by the nature of the way things go. Anyway, there's about six or eight of them that are still hanging on pretty good that I noticed. The others, I planted them everywhere, so I don't always see them. But the ones that are in my plain sight daily are growing pretty big. They're about six feet tall now. So it was. it's a very mm. rewarding feeling to actually plant a tree.
0: And so you planted it. them from from small Se- like
1: seedling. Or? Yep, they were all they came in a big wrapped paper like like butcher paper, and I unwrapped them one at a time. They were all about ten inches tall, and planted mm-hmm. them all around. That was about two two and a half three years ago, maybe. That's and cool. it was funny every day. Taylor kept reminding me, "Did you water your trees yet?" Because like she was kind of sitting by, like tapping her foot, because she's the she's the one who grows vegetables and and all kinds of stuff. And so I I did the big initiative with the trees, and she kept reminding me, did you feed the trees today? I don't think you did. (laughs) You need to go around with water and water every one of them.
0: We've been trying really hard, because earlier this summer, we planted three trees in the front yard, and then a row of blueberry bushes, and then a fig tree, fig plant, bush, tree, plant, thing, fig thing, and then some rosemary and some other stuff. But So we've been trying really hard, because we've been bad about this in the past, to go around and water those You know, because with a tree, you have to water it every day for like the first year or something. Make sure that it's good and wet. And it's been super dry here all summer long. It's just now starting to rain a little bit. So we've been out there watering trees every day. And it's kind of the same kind of thing. Like we have to remind each other, like, which one of us has to do it today, which, you know, we've got to make sure we water them. We don't want to lose these trees. Last year, we'd planted two trees in the front yard and a cherry tree and a peach tree and we planted them and they were probably four feet tall, something like that. And we watered them a lot. And then when it got winter time, we stopped watering them as much. And at some point a deer, I think walked into our front yard and just kicked it over the tree over. And apparently they do that. Somebody was telling me like if there's a short tree, that's about the same height as a deer, I don't know why. It's not like they needed to get through that space, but he just walks up and <laughs> kicks it and breaks it in half right in the middle. And there's like open space on both sides of the tree. So I don't know why they did that. But it ruined one of those. And then the other one just kind of didn't take. Like it was still there, but not, not good
2: enough. So. Let, let, let it be known that deer are jerks. And I want to use a much stronger <laughs> word than jerks because we can't plant anything that we want to plant because they're not deer resistant. So... And and the deer resistant trees and, and shrubberies and bushes and stuff, they're all way more expensive. So, um, we have all these bushes around. I'm looking out the window right now and it's just bare limbs up pat. And then, then there's actual bush past like their, their stupid heads. Yeah. So deers (laughs) ruin our landscaping, but they're pretty to look at and the dogs like barking at them. Yeah. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah, we have it's a lot here. I,
0: it'll be interesting to see if our blueberry bushes have <laughs> any blueberries on them ever, or if the deer are just going to come through and eat them all. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, we didn't really have much of a topic, but we still had a few questions left over from uh, Twitter. So if you guys want to do some of those, we can. Sure. Um, this one, I don't, I don't think any of us are going to have a good answer for that. But which is kind of why I want to talk about it. Um this was from Bowser builds is it as your channels business grew larger do you find it more difficult to stay grounded what keeps you tied to your roots the hmm. reason I say we don't have a good answer for that is because I'm not really sure that any two people would have the same understanding of what that question means like staying grounded are you talk like what are you talking about there
2: I'm I'm gonna because I'm not an expert at Anything that I do, except maybe publishing YouTube videos, and I'm constantly learning. I think that's the thing that keeps me grounded. It's like I know nothing about go karting, but here I am. I'm going to we're going to make some videos about it. I'm going to dive in. I don't know anything about uh, stained glass or glass cutting, but I'm going to do that. And because I'm starting at the ground level when learning these things, I think that's the thing that keeps me grounded. It's just learning new things that are just slightly outside of uh, my hmm. ring of knowledge.
1: I, uh, I I tend to agree with that, that uh, anytime I go into a situation, obviously present situation we just talked about of the blacksmithing, I just sit there and I pretend like I know nothing. I mean, I know that I have skills and I can handle and hold a hammer and do certain things, but I'm not going to profess to know exactly what this person who knows more than me. So I just sit there and I listen. And there are many times where in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I know that, I know that. But I keep my mouth shut because I just want to hear it all before I make a comment. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing a tour of somebody's shop, I'm not going to. Yeah, I got one of those. Oh, I got. I got some. I get the same thing. I keep my mouth shut and I listen because there's going to be things I can learn. So just shut up, listen, and learn. And that's a good point, Dave. That that's that definitely helps keep me grounded. You know, you're not going to wander around someone's shop and be like, Yeah, done that. Yeah, did that. And you come off like a jerk. And then you, you, you don't have the ability to learn anything because you're walking around like a full cup of water instead of somebody that's willing to take some in.
0: Exactly. A full cup of water. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh I mean, I think one of the things that maybe kind of a I don't I don't know how to say this, like the ideas, the perceptions from outside of a growing YouTube channel may be that like stuff changes so much, like when you're as your subscriber count or your view count grows. But I mean effectively it's still a person in their garage or in their basement or in their backyard or in their studio or it's just it's still like a person doing the thing that they were doing whether there's a subscriber billions of subscribers there behind it and i don't think as one as the outside uh reach grows that doesn't mean that like the person doing the work. I don't know. I don't want to speak for other genres. Maybe it's different in like comedy or vlogging or whatever, but I I don't feel like most of the people in the makerspace become something different or like have to elevate their, you know, like I make fancier stuff now than I did when I had a hundred subscribers. I think it's, it's, we're still just like people trying to make stuff that we're interested in, in our spaces, in our private areas. I happen to have people that work with me that help that full time, but that's only enabled because of the growth. Um, but it's not like I'm fancy enough that I need some people around. <laughs> it's not that it's like, you know, I want to be able to do more of this stuff. And so we get other people that I sh- have shared interests with and stuff like that. And so that we can work together to do the same thing better. And so I don't know that, uh, I mean, maybe I'm off base. Maybe there's this question comes from a place of people seeing, you know, uh, uh, content creators become something else as it grows. I don't know. I guess that's why I said that we didn't wouldn't have a good answer for. Because I'm not really sure where this comes
2: from. I think where the separation may come from is my shop is completely different than when I started six years ago. I have a lot more tools. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of my tools are, are fancier, and so that that does create a little bit of separation. But a lot of the times we're buying these other bigger tools so we can work more efficiently or just so we can grow as makers ourselves, because I don't want to be stuck making the same thing with the same tools. I kind of want, I'm always wanting to expand and I'm aware of that separation. So I do try to go back and I do try to like 10 different ways to make butt joints, like just. Back to basics and simple stuff. And I, and sometimes I'll work on bigger projects and sometimes I'll work on smaller projects. I just have these bigger tools because they're safer, they have better dust collection, or I can run more boards through them at the same time just to be more efficient. And uh, with
1: me, my personal experience is I'm at the age of 52 years old. I've been to the precipice of huge success probably 30 times and it didn't happen. So even though this YouTube thing has been my most successful venture till now, I'm waiting for it to stop being successful and go back to digging ditches. So getting getting knocked down 25, 30 different times, big scales, little scales, you know, I'm working on what's probably, I haven't even counted my eighth or ninth or 10th TV show. That's going to be the best, hugest, most expensive, coolest, funnest, most successful show, just like all eight of them were supposed to be. So I'm happy that I have the opportunity to get here again and that people are interested. But those are the type of things that will always keep you humble. Just get, uh, you know, it's like you can come to the party, you can look through the window, but you're not allowed in. And I've been there a bunch of times and I had fun looking through the window, but never really got fully immersed in the party. And so. So hmm. honestly until youtube came along and now i feel like we're all those people we're all those people that weren't let into the party and now we have our own cooler more fun party <laughs> seriously
0: <laughs> yeah so that's pretty funny I, I mean i guess from from the outside seeing people grow their shops and grow like the number of people that they're working with and stuff i can see how that would look like or or may give the feeling that um there's a bigger separation the gap is widening between themselves and the people that they watch make stuff but i hope that i hope that we are all genuine enough in our content that people will stay connected to the person that they're watching and not let the difference in tools the difference in production become like this false separation it may not be the same to have the same table saw or to have a different table saw as someone else, but like just because they're different doesn't mean that the person is like becoming something else. That they're like at a different plane of whatever. Like we're all just people trying to make stuff. We happen to have different tools for different reasons. You know, like there's a billion different reasons why two people could have different quality tools. But I I really hope that in our space that doesn't always equate to. We are in different places. We are different people. We are not going in the same direction. You know what I mean? Because I, I would I would hope that with the digital tools, we've talked about this a billion times, with the digital tools coming into more of a part of everyone's uh, view, some people have them, some people don't, but everybody sees the fact that they are becoming a bigger part of all this thing. Like I don't think anybody wants those to be a big separation point between between makers and between the types of people who are making stuff. There's, it's just somebody has a scroll saw, somebody has a bandsaw, right? Somebody has a laser bandsaw, somebody has a regular bandsaw. They're just different tools, and that's that's totally fine. And I don't think that should be a separation between people. I hope it's not in the future. But it was funny because I was talking about the the mill, you know, getting a bridge port uh, a couple weeks ago. And I've had a few people reach out and, and point me towards ones, which is really cool. Um, and I made a post. I'm working on this project that I can't talk about yet, but I made this piece and I made it with an angle grinder and a drill press. And then I was like, I got done with the fourth iteration of it because <laughs> I kept screwing it up and doing it wrong or whatever. And I got to the end of it and I was like, Oh, if I had had a mill, this would have been right. And I would have also been able to adjust the first one that I made to do what it needed to do. Because once you, get to a certain point. Like you can't clamp things safely, right? You can't continue to work on them. If I'd had a mill, this would have been easier and faster and more precise. Like I get it now. I finally see things. So I posted about that and I was asking people like, is there a tool that would make your life better that, you know, you would, that you would like to have and overall great comments, good conversation. Somebody that said, don't get a mill because that will separate you further from everybody else that's just like man come on like that's that's the wrong attitude that's the that, wrong attitude <laughs> like instead t- t- of t- like think about this think t- about t- this quote. jimmy has uh, jimmy has a thousand or a 1002 bridgeports i don't know how many you have but you have a lot t- of them and i don't t- have any <laughs> but i don't feel like you and i are that far apart and i never felt like man on 1 million, million like subscribers jimmy. apart One million. <laughs> 1 million but i've never i've five never five felt f- like I'm never going to be like Jimmy because I don't have a mill. It's like, no, I want a mill because I see what Jimmy does with it, and I understand why it's useful. And the other just, thing, too, is I'm going I'm to quote
1: Andrew from my other podcast. He goes, that guy can continue to live in his mother's basement <laughs> because that's the guy <laughs> who is not open-minded, and that's not a guy who's willing to grow. That's a guy who might look at his paycheck and go, this is my paycheck. It defines me. I'm this person. Anybody mm. that's outside of the circle of my paycheck is a snob. That's not somebody that's willing to grow. That's not somebody that wants to grow. That's somebody that resents his pay grade and makes you feel shameful for your
0: pay grade. That's possible. Go. But, I mean, I, there, there I, could be more to it than that. Like, you know, it could be that... There could be more to it, you know, than that. But I, I think it's a it's a mentality thing. I really hope that people don't think that just because another person, content creator or, or otherwise, has different tools, better tools, worse tools, whatever... That that means that we're like going in different directions. That we have to be this like weird class structure that should not exist in our space. I really hope that's not the case. And I think in a lot of the other YouTube realm, as uh, creators get huge followings, uh, maybe there is some more visible separation. I don't I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it fits with us, right? I feel like we as a as a group as a community. Are this weird beast that doesn't fit into all the, the norms of you know like YouTube culture, but maybe that's just wishful. Thinking well, that's why I said we're
1: we're 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 at we're, uh, we're the group that was allowed to look in the window of the party. Now we're having our own party outside the window of the big party.
2: <laughs> it's Does it's sense? a when we go to events and we're meeting strangers. There's always the icebreaker is what do you make, and then. You, you meet all these amazing people who do all these amazing things. And this person that I meet might be a woodworker, but they make stuff that I have never dreamed or even thought about making. And then I'm like, all of a sudden we're going through our phones and we're, I'm looking at what this person's making and then I'm showing them on my phone what, what I'm making. And the connection is not tools. The connection's not class. The connection uh-huh. is not where we're from. On the planet it's that we make stuff and we like sharing that stuff with others
0: yeah that's well said i hope that is always the core you know of our interactions and of the community um because that's good stuff you know mm-hmm yep all right well i don't really have anything else on this do you guys have anything else
1: i forgot the question so we can move on yeah, I don't even,
0: <laughs> what
2: the original question was. um it's well, funny, real, real quick, before before couple... we got started, Bob Bob read a bunch of questions from Twitter and then asked, <laughs> Do you guys want to do any of those questions? And Jimmy and I were both like, Can you read all those questions again? We forgot everything. <laughs> Children, pay
0: attention. Right. Um here, here's another good one. What's something this is from Sly Panda. Mm-mm. <laughs> Sure. Um, What is something non-maker related that inspires you? We've talked about this before. We've talked about like how we kind of get inspired outside of the shop and stuff, but like, what's a thing? Let's talk about a single thing that you use for inspiration, not like a practice and not like a habit. What's a thing that inspires you outside of what we do?
1: Wow. Hmm. That's a tough one. The first thing that comes to mind might not qualify because you've, You've specified driving. <laughs> I like going for drives. I don't know. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. is that a, I mean, I don't know. Does that qualify? I like going sure. for drives. It, it's it's a way to clear my mind. Travel is fun. I have travel coming up this weekend, which I could announce more at the end, but I'm going to the Good of the Land Fest this weekend with Andrew and Eric. We're going to be in Texas, Temple, Texas. So yeah, traveling is great. And you know, I guess you know lately all the travel is related to making, but so that might not qualify. So absolutely do nothing that it does anything to do Nothing. No, I like uh, <laughs> just seeing things. Just you know, being curious about anything. Like, go to a f- place that does something that you don't do. You know, go to mm. go to a, an activity. Or you know, from time to time, I go to the, the the horse barn with Taylor. Taylor has a horse, and she rides. And occasionally, she competes. And so, hanging out with Taylor at the at the horse barn, I am absolutely completely out of my element. And Telly yells at me, she's like, pet her. I'm like, I don't want to pet. She's like, she senses that you're you're anxious. Just pet her. And I'm like, I, I'm pet the horse.
0: So <laughs> like, <laughs> Stand behind the horse and pet her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Grab her tail. No, so it's, <laughs> that's like not my wheelhouse at all. And yeah. I when I'm in those situations, I say, okay, what can I take away from this that's inspiring and interesting and you know, I'm one of the most uh, horse people specifically. Is how passionate they are about what they do, and hmm. you know how involved it is. You can't. We talked about what we've been doing lately. You can't just do it. You know, it's like you can go for a ride at a dude ranch and then never touch a horse again. But if you're going to get into horse culture, it's like a never-ending hole of. You got to have this. You got to have that. You know, especially if you own the horse. You know, there's so much to it, and that's absolutely outside of my personal activity. Aside from just being related to Taylor who's that's her life so you know just uh, just try and take what you can from any experience that has nothing to do with your own
2: Mm -hmm. jimmy nailed it when he said seeing things because just i i didn't know how to put it but i'm like just this is a whole topic this could be a whole episode just on what inspires me but i like going to the antique mall and not buying a single thing and just looking at stuff i like going through old books that's a thing that inspires me listening to music making music inspires me somehow i don't know i don't know what the connection is but somehow listening and making music inspires me to woodwork i don't know what the connection is but it definitely does just uh when i when i go to my my uncle's fabrication shop where they repair Cars and um, make race cars. Like seeing people who are super passionate about what they do that has nothing to do with me inspires me. I just seeing things. That's the answer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good answer. I think for me, part of it is doing absolutely anything else. Like I've realized, um, yeah, you know, when you're a runner, you, You train, like if you're training for a race, you have a schedule for the week. You run, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you rest on Thursday so that you can run a long run on Friday. That's my schedule that I'm doing right now. And then I rest on the weekends. If you run all the time, if you run every single day, your body has no time to rebuild the muscles that you're destroying every time you run. You're tearing them and whatever. That's how muscles grow. And so if you don't rest, you don't have time to actually get stronger. Uh, So if you ran Monday through Thursday and then try to do a long run on Friday, it would be terrible. It would be hard. I mean, people do it, but it's not ideal depending on who you are. So for me, that's the thing that I have to do. I have to do anything else other than run on Thursdays, which usually is sleep. (laughs) But it's anything else. And I think being in the shop and like trying to come up with ideas for projects is the same thing. And I've been going through this a lot lately. I've had trouble like feeling motivated to come up with some new ideas for things. I feel like I'm stuck in this kind of rut and like I'm just not being pushed out outside of my thing. And I realized it was because I'm not taking time to do other stuff. I'm not taking the rest day that I need before the long run. And so yesterday afternoon, it was really interesting. I had, uh, my wife had some of the kids at a birthday party. The other kids were at the house with me just like playing. And But then they went around the neighborhood and they're playing with friends. And I was there Without planning it, I was there by myself. Beautiful afternoon. Absolutely beautiful. I had nothing that I needed to do. I didn't really feel like filming anything because Anthony wasn't here. It's just I've gotten in the habit of having somebody else shoot stuff, so it was a little more like, eh, I don't really have to shoot things. The shop needed cleaning. But in that moment, I was like, I can do absolutely anything I want right now. I have nothing in the entire universe that's telling me I have to do something. What do I want to do? And that's the first time I've had that in a very, very long time. And I actively chose to sit in a chair without my phone outside and do nothing. And it felt really good. (laughs) And it was, it was just like a rest, right? It was just like a breath that I needed to take because I don't let myself take that breath enough. And it was a good, and it didn't last that long, you know, and I eventually got fidgety and wanted to go do something productive, but it was it was really nice to just take a little while and not do anything for the sake of recharging a little bit so that i could come into this week with like a renewed okay like i've i've been out of it a little bit now i can come back and and do a better job than i did last week and over the weekend i also like went to um i had some time on saturday too in between other soccer games and stuff where i was like Oh, I can go to the shop or whatever. And instead of doing that, I went to, a, we have this place called Peddler's Mall. It's like a kind of thrift, it's not a thrift mall, but it's more like a flea market where people just like load up their booth and then they leave. So you can just walk around and go through people's junk <laughs> without them there. And it's mostly garbage, but it was. it's every once a year, every six months or so, I'll go there and just wander through and... Kind of look at all the garbage and then eventually you see a little thing and you're like, oh, oh look at that thing. I've never seen one that before. And I do that 15 times a week. That's the problem. I have. Yeah, <laughs> but we don't have places like that. It seems like you have a lot of opportunities to go look at that type of thing. It's odd. We don't really have many of them, but this one place I just took a little while to go wander through and I didn't really get anything out of it. I didn't walk away super inspired, but It was just being in a different place, right? Surrounding myself with stuff that I don't normally look at, like you guys were saying. Um, And yeah, I guess I'm just reiterating your point. But the big thing for me uh, to to I don't even remember what the original question was, but to to get better at what I'm doing, to be inspired by stuff, sometimes I just have to go do something totally opposite. Oh yeah, that was it. Out of my schedule, not making out of my norm. Yeah. Just something else, and this weekend it happened to be sitting on the porch, which was really nice. <laughs> so, all right, you guys got anything else on this? No, that's it. One more, and then we'll end it. Uh, yeah, I guess we could do one more. All right. uh, I'm trying to find a. Oh well, well, here's a short one, maybe short. I don't know. Oh, okay. um, Dark Star Studios asked about the return of Make Magazine. Did you guys get, do you guys even get Make Magazine? I do, yeah. Have you gotten, yeah? You I pick it up one? every
1: now and again, and uh, I'm going to tip my hand and let you know that they're doing a story on me. Hmm. I don't know. I, Caleb keeps emailing me questions, and... Uh, I'm sorry Caleb that I haven't gotten back to you in a timely manner on a lot of the answers <laughs> and questions only because I'm like oh I'll answer that later and then all of a sudden I forget. But uh yeah they they're doing a, a piece on me. I'm not sure exactly maybe this issue or the next because we're having a little bit of trouble with the with the right series of photographs. But I I it, the, the fact that Make Magazine is still around still hasn't ended is just it's 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 more it's more uh, fuel for the fire that this is a mindset. It's not a physical thing. It's 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 a you know it's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's it's something that's just always there, and the magazine just puts a focus on it. So mm-hmm. it, it's not going away. Make magazine, and you know we looked at it over the summer. Everyone's like, "Oh, make magazine's going out of business," and immediately, so many people jumped in to try and save it. I. My my business partner was very curious trying to help save it. But Dale was able to save himself, which was amazing that he didn't need help from anybody else. And it's just gonna carry on. You know, the, the fairs will come back in one capacity or another and the magazine and the mindset is never going away, it seems like. So that's
2: good news. I'm currently yeah. writing an article about box joints for Make magazine. So let's awesome. go. Yeah.
1: Back to the basics with them. I mean, they reached out to the community seven, eight years ago. We were all participating in one capacity or another. And they're always reaching out to somebody. Bob, I remember when you first got involved, you were excited Mm -hmm. that you did a couple of videos early on. And uh, it's, like I said, it's a mindset that's not going to go away. There's so many people that can contribute that it's, you know, it's like seeing a good friend, you know, you're moving along doing something and you're not going to let them stay behind. You're going to help them, you know, whether it's help with monetary value or help with, you know, a place to live or lend them tools. You know, the concept of Make Magazine is just a good friend that you're not going to just let
0: slip away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they renamed the company Make Community, which I think is an excellent move. I mean, there may have been like logistics and whatever behind it, but I hope that it puts the com- the community focus out front. Like I think it always has been, but it's like an official. This is about the people relating to each other and us sharing information together. I think that's a good move. Um, they also made the magazine the old format, smaller, uh, which I actually like better, but. Uh, so they, it's a little bit smaller. It's still nice and thick. It's a good magazine. I think it's coming out quarterly now, if I understand correctly. But anyway, if you haven't picked it up, you should go pick it up. Help
2: them get rolling again. Help things move along. I'm a magazine guy. I'm still. I still like the feel of paper and, and like obviously because I have all these hundreds of books. But I get. I think I get all the major woodworking publications and. I don't make any of the projects from them. I don't read any of the articles word for word, but I do when I'm just hanging out, I'll just flip through them and I find inspiration in that going back to the previous question. And there's just something about something that's physical on your lap that you can flip through is inspiring to me. Yeah. Totally.
0: I almost stopped getting Make magazine uh maybe 2 years ago because it was like the same kind of thing. Like I don't I don't read these I like having them. I like getting them. I like supporting the company, but I don't read them, and they're just, like, stacking up. Then one of my kids, who's, like, the most makery of the kids, found on the shelf, because I had all these make magazines on the shelf, he, like, pulled one out today, one day, and there was a robot in the front, he's like, what is this? I'm like, yeah, man, look through it. So he starts going through it, and he's like, next one goes through it. And he's he, at that point, was barely reading. He just wanted to see the stuff, right? And so he starts asking me these questions about it. And so now I get the magazine. I continued to get the magazine just so that when it comes in the mail, I don't even look at it. I set it on the table. They come in from school, and he's like, whoa, there's a new, oh, cool. He's flipping it open. He's like, oh, there's a drone that looks like a cat. And, oh, there's a, whatever. And it's just exciting to him to see the things. He doesn't read how people made them. He doesn't go through and, you know, ask me specific questions about stuff. It's a source of inspiration. Not yet, right? Exactly. It's a source of inspiration for him that will continue on I think and he's always going to know that like the foxfire books were for me that was a thing when I was a kid that was like whoa you can look through and figure out how to blacksmith and how to raise chickens and whatever he's going to remember make magazine is a thing where you can go figure out how to make an octopus drone or a whatever you know um so that's really cool that's why I'm going to continue to get the published magazine and not just the digital one. Cause you could still support them, probably support them more by getting a digital version of it. But you know, the print one, it, there's something to that. So, especially with a kid, uh, you know, we try to limit the amount of screen time the kids have, and I'm not going to limit the amount of book time they have, the amount of make magazine, the time they have. So like here, man, go nuts, read all of 50, whatever issues of them, you know? Um, excuse me. All right. Well, let's wrap it up because we have after show to do. And the after show is a little bit more show for Patreon supporters. Everybody that supports us on Patreon gets the after show. It's a separate RSS feed, separate podcast, separate audio. You can put it in your podcast listening thingy and listen to it. Um, (laughs) I couldn't, uh, just lost with the technical words there. Everybody gets it, no matter what level you're supporting at. But we do have a group of top supporters, um, and I want to call them out. Jenny and Davis, Modern DIY, You Can Make This Too, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Maker and Training, Chad from ManCrafting, Works by Solo, and Corey Ward. They're our top supporters, and we're really grateful for them and for everybody else that helps us out. Because we were joking about sponsors earlier, we don't have sponsors. The show happens because of the Patreon supporters. Thank you all very much. I also want to say, call out Blondie Hacks and say thank you because she sends uh, a lot of messages or has sent several messages through Patreon to us, me specifically about machining and stuff. And I'm terrible at responding, but I do read them. And she's given me links for like, I started talking about machining and she sent me stuff. She has a series on metal uh, lathe. So I am seeing those. Thank you. Uh, sorry, I'm bad at responding to everything. But uh, if you want to help us out, if you want to join that group of awesome people, go to patreon.com slash making it and pick a level that works with you. That'd be awesome. And since we're talking about that, if you want to help out, not just us, but like everybody, teamtrees.org is the tree thing we were talking about earlier. Go donate a little bit. Let's Let's make it happen. All right. David, what have you been watching?
2: Yes. So yeah. I have picked I this channel before, but this particular episode is fantastic. It's uh, the channel's First Week Feast, and the show within that is called Hot Ones, where they have a celebrity guest, and they eat hot wings that continually get hotter, and then there's a question asked between each wing. And, um, yeah, the, the, the guests will usually become very vulnerable after, like, when their insides are burning and the most recent episode has Paul Rudd and I I don't think about Paul Rudd he's not like I never (laughs) said he's one of my favorite actors but I always enjoy the stuff that he's in and on this particular episode you can see within the first couple minutes uh, he he kind of changes his tone like he's you you feel like he's in you, you when, when these celebrities are in interviews all the time, they just go into this zone where they, they're always asked the same questions and they give their canned responses. And the interviewer for the show, he is so so good at interviewing. Like Paul Rudd, just kind of like relaxes and is like, mm, "This is good." And then at the end, he is talking about like, "You are such a good interviewer. This is one of the best interviews." And this particular hmm. show. There's so many times the guests will say you are such a good interviewer that there are clips on YouTube of just people compiling the, the clips of saying of people saying like you are a great interviewer. Like they they're just the guests just totally relax and they uh, it's so good. So just watch this episode. My
1: favorite one is Aubrey Plaza. She's so funny. She keeps getting hotter and hotter. She yes. starts cursing at him. It's super funny. She keeps that straight face, and she's like, she's like, totally. You got to hear it. I can't say what she said.
2: It's <laughs> uh, so good. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm just. I. I don't have anything specific other than uh, just go follow. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say the names. We got Alex Pohl Ironworks, and. Uh, Oh, my God, I'm not prepared.
0: You've had plenty of time. Mm. I know. I got got wrapped up
1: in reading (laughs) something else. Uh, I just want to say Joe Garnett underscore blacksmith and moonshine metalworks. That's Alex, Steve, and Joe. And I just want to thank them again for doing what they did. They did an amazing job. And they're already looking forward to coming back. So thank you guys. It was a big, big deal. They came from England, and Steve actually spent a few days, a few weeks here. Steve's been here for over two weeks, hanging out and staying at the house. And uh, it's 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 a it's a big sacrifice for those guys to come to a different country and get involved. And just want to say thank you guys very much. And go follow them all on Instagram. So uh, oh, and then I also wanted to say. I'm going to be tomorrow. This is airing on a Friday. Tomorrow, I'm going to be in Temple, Texas, at the Good of the Land Fest. It's the 26th Temple, Texas. It's 50 acres of machines, blacksmithing, blah 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 and a lot of and a whole bunch of stuff. That sounds
0: fascinating. So much blah 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 and is there going to be some blue blah, blues there?
1: Oh my God! So many of them and so many cool things like that and this other stuff. It's going to be great. No, it's going to be fun. Me, Andrew, and Eric. And
0: stuff.
1: <laughs> me, Eric, and Andrew are going to do a live Q and A, which should be Ooh. uproarious. And uh, yeah, what else? There was some other announcement I needed to make. Can't remember what it was. It'll come to me. I will forget. Hmm. I
0: forget. Cool. Um, well, mine is actually one that was recommended through. Gosh, I don't remember. Somebody sent it through. Twitter or Patreon or something, but it, somebody recommended it to say here, and I looked it up and started following the guy immediately. Um, the channel is called Works by a Hurst, and it's a guy named Jason Hurst. And uh, not sure how to describe he he makes all sorts of crazy stuff, <laughs> a lot of sculptural art out of found things. There's some really, really cool stuff, and he also does knife making, and uh, honestly, I, I have not been through all of it, so I'm not sure what all he makes, but a lot of Star Wars-inspired stuff, but I think it, you would totally be into it, even if you're not into Star Wars, because it's just tons of metal-working, sculpture-based stuff, um, and they're shot just really subscribed. well. Just subscribe. Yeah, totally should. It's good, very good stuff. Um, yeah, go check him out. And he's got, I I started following on Instagram first. He's got a lot over there, but then he has, you know, full YouTube channel as well. Um, yeah, that's it. You guys got anything else you want to talk about?
1: Uh, I just put up my video for first build where I make the pizza oven. So go get a chance. Go go watch that. It's a fun video and you can get a little insight to first build. It's kind of like vlog style where I'm talking in between clips and stuff. So it's, uh. little different oh and then first bill did a really beautiful video of me using the band so i think i talked about it earlier on i don't know if we were recording or not but go check that out too it's a little different type of video and i didn't pick the music it's been the most number one (laughs) annoying comment this is a great video the music's horrible it's like great thanks you appreciate it
0: you know that would be the comment no matter what music you picked right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or didn't pick or whatever. Yeah. That's just the right. way that goes.
1: No, they 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 did a uh, an excellent job on that video. I really was very very proud to be part of, you know, the subject of a video that somebody else shot and edited. It was nice to see and refreshing, you know, cuz I would have sped up a lot of stuff, but the fact that it breathes and it's not sped up and there's nice voiceover with the nice visuals is it's really nice. It's it's like it, it's, not a, it's not a the rest the video. It's a first build video and I love it.
0: Yeah.
2: Cool. In the after show, right. well, I want to talk about strength tests and how they are 100% not necessary for joints. <laughs> That's what I'm going right. to talk about in the after show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. All right. All right.
0: Well, uh, we will go do that now. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time.
2: Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Love
1: you.